Now, I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles again to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. And we're going to read from the first verse of the chapter. John's uh, Gospel, chapter 20, and beginning our reading at verse 1 of the chapter. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, uh, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have led him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did run Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, when yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lying, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. And as, as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again into their own home. But Mary stood without the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where uh, they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposed him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, Tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that she had spoken these thi- that he had spoken these things unto her. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts. Let's just unite at the throne of grace and prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy mercy to our hearts afresh today. We thank Thee for the Word of God that speaks to us, and we thank Thee that after darkness comes the dawn. And we pray, Lord, that even as we contemplate this scene before us, uh, that Thou wouldst even speak to us and bless us as we gather at Thy feet. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. In John chapter 20, verse 1, You'll notice that the Mary Magdalene, she came 
to the tomb, and it says, when it was yet dark. It says in that verse, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. And so the Easter morning begins when it is yet dark. Mary Magdalene, we're not told that much with all the legends that have arisen about her. We're not told that much. There's really only 13 New Testament passages that have reference to Mary Magdalene. And most of the references are around the resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But Mary had been with the Lord for a long time. She had seen much of the mighty things and heard many of the mighty things that the Lord had done and said. She had seen the uh, conspiracy against him by the religious leaders. She had seen the crowds the week before as they had greeted him uh, with palms and with hosannas as he entered into the city of Jerusalem. She had seen uh, another crowd, or the many in the same crowd perhaps, who had greeted him by saying, crucify him on the few days before. And she had seen what had taken place with the Lord Jesus. She had been at the cross where he had died, and she had taken the body, and she had put it in the tomb. Now early on the Sunday morning, she comes to the tomb. We're not told why she came. Perhaps she was bringing spices the same way that we would have brought flowers to a, a grave. So in those days, they would have brought spices to anoint and uh, to deal with the body. And she comes to the tomb and she sees immediately that things are not as they ought to be. The stone had been ruled away from the tomb. And perhaps she's wondering what has taken place. But I wonder, is there significance in that phrase that she comes while it is yet dark? I've no doubt that John used that phrase just as a simple way of telling the time. It was before the dawn. It was before the light broke. But I feel that in the Bible there's nothing there by accident. And I think that the phrase that she came while it was yet dark is far more expressive than just telling the time. There was darkness in her heart, but there was a dawn coming. And that's the message. There was hope in the midst of her darkness. And that's the message that I want to get across to you today. As we are here, there is a dawn coming. It may be dark. It may be dark for you, but there is a dawn coming. And we've started out perhaps today, and there is darkness in our hearts. And we have come on this Lord's day while it is yet dark. But what I want you to see is the wonderful message of hope that there is in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So just for a few minutes today, I want us just to think about that phrase, while it was yet dark. And there are just a few things that I want to point out to you about that phrase. I want us to see, first of all, then, it was yet dark and things looked bleak. It was yet dark and things looked bleak. As Mary made her way on that early Easter morning before the dawning of the day, 
Things were very bleak for Mary Magdalene. She had seen what the Lord Jesus Christ had done. She had seen bodies healed. She had seen lives transformed. But she had seen him taken and put on the cross. And the nails driven into his flesh. And the sword that, or the spear that pierced his side. And Mary had stood at the foot of that cross. And she had seen the Lord expire. She had seen his life uh, taken from him. Or he had given up his life. And she had seen now I'm put in the tomb and the stone was rolled over the door and that seemed to Mary to be the end as far as the Lord Jesus Christ was concerned. And things were still dark for Mary personally. Her whole world had been turned upside down. First of all, she had lost her friend. She had lost her master. She had lost one that she loved. And we think of the one who had delivered her from the devils, the one who had transformed her life, the one who had shown such love and concern to her. And you can see the deep love that Mary had for the Lord Jesus Christ that brought her out at that time in the morning, that brought her out in the midst of the darkness to go to the tomb. She's going early. She's going as soon as she can because that's a demonstration of her love. And we can... Imagine her feelings and her sentiments as she goes to the tomb. Here she was, and her world had been shaken, and the one that she loved had been taken from her. And you know, in the midst of that darkness, we uh, are often found uh, where perhaps the vessel is unstable and where we have been shaken. And maybe today you have been shaken, and your world has been turned upside down on many occasions. And you know, when we go in that uh, kind of a, a thought or when we are shaken like that, uh, we um, are often not thinking about what things should be or we're not able to make decisions properly. But here she is and her sentiments are all shaken up, her emotions, and she's going oblivious to the danger there in the middle of the night. And uh, she just filled with love and filled with loss. And here she is, and her world is shaken. It's dark for her personally. But it's also dark for her prospectively. Not only had the one that she loved been taken from her, but this was her master. This is the one that she'd put great store in. This is the one that had been her master and her uh, leader and the one that she had followed and every step of the way Mary had been with the Lord Jesus Christ and she had built her hopes for the future in the Lord Jesus Christ. She had uh, thought of as the Messiah, the one that would come and perhaps deliver them from the Romans and now all of that had been taken from her. All of her hopes for the future, all of her desires, all had been enmeshed in the Lord Jesus Christ had been amazed in the uh, teaching that he'd been given, and now his body had been buried, and it was yet dark for her prospectively. For the nation, what was going to happen to the nation? The Messiah had been killed by the Romans. The one that was the deliverer had been taken by the Romans, and it seemed dark for the nation. And you know, when we look at our nation today, it seems dark it seems dark. It seems as if, in many ways, the devil is winning the victory 
It seems as if things are being turned upside down. And maybe today you have received news that has turned your world upside down. Maybe it's just the news out there of what's happening in society. Maybe it is because uh, you are facing difficulty with uh, maybe children or with the uh, maybe maybe your employment is not that stable or maybe something else has happened or you can think of all of these things and there's been disappointment. And maybe you're like Mary and you say, where's the Lord? Where's the Lord in the midst of all of this? And maybe you're like the psalmist and you say to yourself, where is the Lord? Where is God in the midst of my need? And maybe you feel rejected and abandoned today. And Mary felt abandoned. Mary not only had lost the one that she loved, but where was her prospect? Not only uh, for the land, but personally. You see, the, Peter and the other disciples, they could have gone back to their fishing. But where was Mary going to go back to? Um, it's only a legend, but she ha- the legend is that she was in a trade that she couldn't go back to. Uh, but certainly she had been possessed by demons. She's not going to go back to that. She, and her, where was she going? What was she going to do? And what was she going to be involved in in her life? Oh, it was dark. It was very dark for Mary. Things were bleak. And not only were things bleak personally and prospectively, but things were bleak if we say protectively. We don't know for sure, but it may be and it's thought that she was going out in the middle of the night because she didn't want to be seen. She didn't want to be seen going to the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ. She didn't want to be, yes, she was wanting to be identified with the Lord. She was, she was willing to put the Lord in the tomb, but she wasn't going to take any chances. She wasn't going to stir up anything. And she didn't want to be seen. Uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ had just been taken and put on the cross, and there was a danger for his disciples. And so she, she's uh, really been uh, cautious in what she is doing. She felt that she was apprehensive about what would happen and what was going to take place in the future. And maybe today we're apprehensive about the future. As we look at our world, as we look at what is taking place in our world, we're apprehensive. We, we don't know what's going to take place. And that's the other thing about Mary. It was bleak perceptively because she just didn't know what was happening. She, 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 her, things were unclear to her. She was confused. She, she just didn't know what was taking place. And so when we don't know what's happening... We, we, things can be very bleak for us. When things are, in, we're in the dark, things can be very bleak. And it was very bleak for Mary that Easter morning. Things were bleak. And when things are bleak, we need to be like King Jehoshaphat when he said, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And sometimes we just don't know what to do, and things are dark, and things are bleak. 
But not only was it yet dark and things were bleak, but it was yet dark and things were on the brink. The dawn was coming. Morning was about to break. The day was about to come. And the shadows were about to flee away. And Mary's day began when it was yet dark. But then the sun began to peak over the horizon. And the darkness began to dissipate. And what a tremendous thing it was as the dawn began to uh, be revealed to Mary. And things began to change and change very suddenly. It reminds me of the story of the Battle of Waterloo on June the 18th, 1815. And the French, of course, under the command of Napoleon, had been defeated by the Allies, the British, the Dutch, and the Germans, under the command of the Duke of Wellington. And in those days, of course, there was no telephones, and there was no um, internet or anything like that. And messages had to be sent by light signal. So... Uh, across the channel, there were those on the uh, British side of the channel, and there were those on the French side of the channel, or on the Belgian side of the channel, and they were sending message by semaphore signals, by light. And so they sent the um, message W-E-L-L, and they spelt out Wellington. And then they spelt out the word D-E-F-E-A-T-E-D, defeated. Wellington defeated. And that moment, the fog rolled across the channel. And the clouds of fog in London that was prone to be, there was kind of a smog or a very deep fog, began to roll across. And they didn't get the rest of the message. So the message went out across the nation, Wellington defeated. But suddenly the sun began to glimpse and then they got the rest of the message. Wellington defeated the enemy. And that made all the difference. What seemed to be dark was really light. And that's the same here in this. What was darkness and despair was beginning to turn to joy. And when the fogs and the darkness goes away, we begin to see the light. And I want you to see that the light begins to dawn here for Mary. And first of all, you'll see that she was on the brink of resurrection. Indeed, the resurrection had already happened on uh, that time when she was there in the darkness. We're told that in the darkness, as she made her way to the tomb, if you look at verse 11, it says, But Mary stood without of the sepulchre weeping, And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. And when she looked into the sepulchre, she could see two uh, angels or men, it says here, sitting where the head and the feet of the Lord Jesus had been. And they said to her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have led him. And then she turned back, and she sees Jesus and it says, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And then it says, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And what a transformation there was 
when she met the risen Savior. My, what great hope there was when she met the risen Savior. And that's the great hope of the church. That's the great hope of every one of us. We serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. And when the Lord spoke her word, that word Mary, when he called her by her name, that's when she recognized that it wasn't dark. The dawn had come. That there was a complete transformation in her, in her realization. And you remember how that was the message that went out. The two, the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. What was the message? The Lord is risen. When Thomas, when the men had met together behind closed doors later on in the chapter, and the Lord came and stood in their midst. What is the message? The Lord is risen. When Thomas wasn't there, and when he met the Lord the next Lord's day, what was the message? The Lord has risen. He has conquered death and hell. He has ascended above the grave. And my while it seemed to be dark, and when it was yet dark, there was light on the way. And she was on the brink of resurrection. But also she was on the brink of realization. She realized that the Lord had planned it all at the end of the day. That all of the purposes and plans of God were coming to pass. You know, the Lord had told them, had told her and the disciples that he was going to rise from the dead. We read in Matthew 16 and verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. That's what the Lord said would happen. We read in Matthew 17, verses 22 and 23, And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. So there it is again. The Lord said, this is what will happen. Matthew 20, verses 17 to 19. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and he shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. So the Lord had predicted this. The Lord had told them this is what is going to take place. And of course this is what did take place. And the prophecy was fulfilled. The prophecy came to pass. Turn over to Acts chapter 2 and look at verse 22. It says, this is the words of Peter to the uh, multitudes on the day of Pentecost. Him, speaking of the Lord Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. But if you go down in the portion of Scripture, you will see that uh, he uh, speaks of the fact that the Lord there was taken by the... Uh, uh, wicked men crucified and slain. But then the Lord begins to quote from David. Look at uh, verse 25. 
For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. And then if you look at verse 31, it says, He said this before speak of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. So the Lord, or Peter is saying here, and he's quoting from the psalm, and he's saying this is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. We find it again in Acts chapter 13 and verse 30. It says, but God raised him from the dead. And then Paul goes on, and he was seen many days by them who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are as witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings. Now watch this. How the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled. And you can see there, time and time and time again, I'm trying to make the point that all of this was planned and purposed by God. And now Mary sees that while it seemed as if the Lord Jesus had been taken and put to death, while it seemed that men had the victory, that the devil had the victory, all the time, God was bringing to pass his plans and his purposes. And it seemed dark to her. She was in despair. It seemed as if wicked men had won the day. But up from the grave he arose. And my, here she was on the brink of realization that God had it all in his plans and purposes in the end of the day. But not only was she on the brink of resurrection and realization, but she was on the brink of revolution. The resurrection was going to bring a revolution for Mary. There, things were never going to be the same again. And my God was going to bless and pour forth his spirit. And Mary was going out when it was yet dark. But my, what a revolution in her life that day was going to bring. And dear friend, that's what the Lord can do in your life and mine. He wants to bring about a revolution. And it may be dark for you. And I don't know all of the things in your life and in your heart. Things may be dark at the minute. But there's a revolution that God wants to do in your heart and in your life. So it was yet dark and things were very bleak. It was yet dark and things were on the brink. One more thing, it was yet dark and things would turn very bright. Because I want you to see that on that day, not only did the sun arise, but things began to get brighter and brighter. The Lord was going to revive his church. We think of how the Lord was going to deal with his disciples here, this bunch of men that were going to turn the world upside down. And we read that the resurrected Lord goes, first of all, to embolden his disciples. We think of how he appeared to the disciples in the upper room. And these men that were cowering there go out on the day of Pentecost to preach the gospel to the multitudes that they were cowering from. He emboldens his disciples. They meet the risen Savior. They see the reality of their faith. And they are emboldened. Not only does the Lord embolden his disciples, he engages his disciples. He sends them forth. He commissions them 
to go out with the gospel. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So they're given a task. They're going out to reach the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only does he embolden them and engage them, but he empowers them. He said to them, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. And those men then go out on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 souls are saved by the grace of God. What a mighty transformation. And the work of God and the church of God begins to spread out from that dark day, from that dark occasion. My, the light begins to blaze, and the uh, tongues as of fire begin to descend. And my, what a transformation there is. Not only does he revive his church, but he represents us at the throne. We think of how the Lord Jesus ascends up to heaven, and there he is at the right hand of the Father, and he's there alive to intercede for us. Paul says in Romans 8 and 34, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. There's a man in the glory who intercedes for us, who pleads our cause at God's right hand. And my, that's a wonderful thing uh, that uh, the risen Christ has done. He revives the church. He represents us at the throne. And then, what else? He raises his people. You see, resurrection is the, the resurrection of Christ is the first fruits of them that see, sleep. Turn over to John chapter 11 and verses 25 and 26. And we read there in that portion of Scripture, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And then in 1 Corinthians 15 and 20, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. He's the first of the great harvest that is brought in. And those who were dead or are dead live. And my, what a wonderful thing. The one day the graves will open and the dead in Christ will arise. And here is the glorious light that we will be with him in the light of his presence throughout all eternity. So things were going to get very bright. Oh, she went out. It was yet dark. She was in despair. She was in a place of turmoil in her heart and her life. But things were on the brink, and things were going to get very bright. And that's the same for us today. We serve the same risen Savior. Many years ago during the war, when England was in a very dire strait, or Britain was in a very dire strait, 
Winston Churchill was invited to speak at a boys' school, and he simply got up when he was invited to speak, and he said the words, Never give up, never give up, never, never, never. And then he sat down, and that was reported in the papers, and it became the mantra of the British people during the darkest days of the, uh, of the war. Never give up. And you know, at times it may seem dark for us, but we're on the brink, and things will be bright at the end of the day. That's our hope. I hope in the Bible sense of certainty. That's our hope. And that is our rest today. We serve a risen Savior. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a wee word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we thank thee for thy precious word for hearts. We're reminded that Mary went out while it was yet dark. And Lord, things were dark and bleak for her. But Lord, we thank thee that she was on the brink of a new dawn and a new day. And we pray, Lord, that thou wouldst even bless us as we gather around thy word now. And we pray that thou wouldst bless us as we gather around the table and bless each one as we partake of these emblems that speak of our Savior. Be with those that must go, and we pray that thy blessing would be upon us even in these incoming days. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Perhaps we could um, turn to that hymn 107 there. The hymn 107, Alas, and did my Saviour bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as, that, uh, as I? The hymn 107, and we'll stand again as we sing.
loving God and our gracious Father, bless us now, be with us throughout this day, and bless thy word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen.